so today's reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That God was rec- reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed up to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. God, as we open your word now, would you open our hearts to what you want to reveal to us today in our own walk as disciples of you, Jesus, and as a community of faith, would you speak your truth and implant that deep in us this morning so that we might become more like you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, my message this morning is entitled Living an Attractive Life. Living an Attractive Life. Um, I'm going to be unpacking this passage from 2 Corinthians 5. Um, We're going to be looking at that together. It was a couple of years ago now that it was a Friday afternoon. It was a very normal day. Um, I was at that time home with a baby and something completely unexpected happened. Charlie, my husband, called and said that he had this late call up at work. Would we be able to get a babysitter that night and go out? because he was a very last minute, last person on the list invitation to go to see Coldplay, the band Coldplay, with work. And this was something that was just completely out of nowhere because also it was in a corporate box, which is just completely not something that we would ever do. And there was food included and drink and all of those things. And so all of a sudden it was like, quick, we've got to find a babysitter, this would be amazing. And we went, and it was such a, such a good night. I found online a photo um, of that concert. Some people sitting in this service were part of that concert that night too, from memory. It was such an amazing night, and we had such a good time. And we got to meet so many more of Charlie's workmates, and I got to meet them all. You don't often get to meet your spouse's you know, workmates who they spend so many hours a week with. But why do businesses invest so much in corporate hospitality? It would have cost a lot of money to have both of us go that night. Um, And though Charlie wasn't, you know, at the top of the rung to be invited, uh, there was tickets there. They needed to be used and a business is always going to want to use those tickets. But what's behind it all? The cynic in me or the cynic in you might say, well, it's just all about, you know, an excuse for business people to, you know, enjoy nights out and at someone else's expense. But actually, there's something very purposeful, very powerful behind corporate hospitality, behind corporate boxes at, at footy games, behind going to the Australian Open and um, Kudon Classic and other days like at the races, things like that that happened more recently. Because it's all about building relationships, isn't it? It's all about attracting people to a brand or an organisation or a cause. 
and leaving them with an impression of that organisation or corporate body that is more positive, more warm, more engaged than before. Some of you may have had experiences like that, um, like we had, or more maybe even more special ones than, than we had. But it's all about giving people an experience, isn't it, of something that leaves them more favourably um, disposed towards that organisation than they were before that experience. It's actually really smart, isn't it? And when it comes to our identity as disciples of Jesus... The idea of attracting people to the person of Jesus is actually a really core part of our identity. And we've been unpacking this theme of identity and calling through this series, The True You, through our spring time as a church. And very sadly, the church has often been famous for the opposite. It's been famous and in the news and in the headlines for... Um, it's, you know, ill treatment of people or, um, you know, it's sins, it's um, abuse, things like that. It's been well documented and rightly so. There was a recent documentary you might have caught on ABC iView called For the Love of God and it's been put together by um, the Centre for Public Christianity. If you haven't seen For the Love of God, have a Google. It is excellent. Um, it's a great recent doco, Australian made, but really documenting the good and also kind of the evil that, that Christianity has, I guess, perpetrated in the world over history. But it's a, it's a very, very well thought through documentary. And um, I know on iView it's been very popular for people watching it, Christian and non-Christian alike. We find here in 2 Corinthians 5, in this passage for today, um, this identity piece, this, um, this part of who we are as ambassadors for Christ, which is the word Paul uses here in his letter to the church in Corinth. I just want to read out a couple of those verses again for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul writes that God has committed to us committed to you the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, sometimes in church, the, the idea of evangelism or the gift of evangelism is, is you know, spoken about. But you know what this passage speaks is that all of us, are God's ambassadors. Whether or not we, we think we've got the capital E gift of evangelism, we are all Christ's ambassadors in the world. And I was reminded this week as I prepared this that um, there's a scripture in Titus and it's actually addressing a context where there were slaves and masters. But in the book of Titus, there's this incredible verse. I'm going to read it for us. It says, um, slaves must always do their best and they must not talk back or steal. So it's talking about the behaviour of these slaves in this first century context. But it says that if they live this way, they will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive in every way. This idea of, of being an ambassador, of making God, Jesus, the Spirit, the Church, attractive to people... It really drew my heart when I was thinking about this series and where to land it was actually this idea that 
We need to be reminded, church, of our identity as ambassadors for God. That whether or not you think you're an amazing, you know, evangelist or you're really talented at talking about Christ when someone at work asks you a really prickly question, whether or not you think you've got the gift, if you like, you are an ambassador for Christ when you go out on a Sunday, you know, when you go to work on a Monday, when you go to footy on Saturday, when you go to swimming on another day. You know, we are ambassadors for Christ. A couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call. It was from someone I hardly know. I think I might have met him once. And he was ringing, asking me to give a reference for someone who I have worked with. Um, And he rang me and he had a list of questions and he let me know, you know, it would be like a 10-minute call. Do I have time? Yes, that was fine. And so he went and proceeded to ask me these questions. And as someone like many of you who gives a reference or some errors often gives a reference, you know, your job is to be honest. Your job is to be, um, to be authentic. You know, you're not trying to make things up about a person. Um, and this person is relying on me being real with them about, as I talk about this person. I always find it a bit nerve-wracking giving a reference. You sort of think, oh, gosh, you know, this person's seeking information about another and, you know, we're called to, to be genuine and real and what we share and what, how we account for that person. But, you know, we are kind of like a reference for God because the way we represent God and the way we live our lives and the way we go about our work and our relationships and our family life and how we live at home... Um, and how we go about all of our decisions that we make. You know, they're kind of like a reference for who God is. We are called to, as genuinely and honestly as we can, represent the values, the heart of God and his story of redemption in the world. Um, a couple of years ago, there was a stat that came out, and it was all about what attracts people who are not faith like Christian faith, of a Christian faith in Australian culture. And a lot of people were surprised at these stats. They thought, oh, it'd be, you know, like a celebrity Christian who says that they're you know, a follower of Jesus. That would be what would attract an Australian person to Christianity. Or, you know, maybe it would be like a miracle story of someone being healed Now, those things were on the list, but they were far down compared to this one factor. The number one attractional factor for people who are not churchy in Australian culture is seeing their friends and their family live out a genuine faith. Seeing the Christians that they know live out a distinctive and genuine and real faith to live differently or to live an attractional life, an attractive life. Doesn't that give you courage? You think, well, you know what? I I can strive for that. I can do that in my life. I want to live an attractive life. A few weeks ago, um, Tiffany and also Kelly and myself were part of a workshop in the city and it was aimed at church people coming together and learning more about how to be welcoming and how to integrate people into the life of the church who are new or visiting or maybe checking out church or Christianity for the first time. And one of the presenters shared this quote, and it's really stayed with me the last few weeks. It's a quote from a Christian in 250 AD. And this Christian had a really cool name, Manusia Felix. 
And this is the quote. He wrote, the beauty of life causes strangers to join our ranks. We do not talk about great things. We live them. And it kind of reminded me of you know, Stella's funeral a few weeks ago when so many people in her family weren't necessarily churchy or, you know, Christ, you know, honouring perhaps, you know, in their identity and, you know, following Jesus fully. But the sense at the end of the funeral was, wow, this has been a really hospitable of time where the church has just bent over backwards to be, you know, offer a ministry in a funeral and in a beautiful morning tea that has impacted that whole family. Um, and spoken about the good news of Jesus through an act of um, of hospitality. Beauty of life causes strangers to join our ranks. I wonder about the beauty in your life, and I wonder about what is attracting um, attracting people in your world who don't follow Jesus to Jesus because of the way you're living an attractive, generous life. Historians say that the key to the rise of the church in those early centuries was the the beautiful life that early Christians were living. It bore a powerful and attractive witness to the difference the Christian faith makes for good. Um, And that's certainly something that this documentary that I mentioned earlier, For the Love of God, spoke about again and again, the idea of the church growing and rising as people lived an attractive, distinctive life. You know, we, we all are attracted to certain people, aren't we, in terms of, you know, there's people that we kind of get to know and we think, you know what, I just want to be more around them. Like, sometimes me and Charlie will meet someone and I'll say, we should catch up with them again. You know, I, I, you kind of want to be around them, do you know what I mean? And that's the kind of life we're called to as Christians. We're called to be people who other people want to be around. They're refreshed by being with us. They receive life and care. And, um, you know, you know I think about the playgroup I'm part of. Some of, you know, the mums and carers and grandmas who come along to it, you know, um, you're attracted to certain people to spend time with them and hang out with them. I'm sure that you know what I mean. But on a community or a corporate scale as well, church, we are called to be a church that there's good gossip about in our community. The church that does the West Welcome Wagon Toy Drive. The church that does Helping Hand Cafe on a Tuesday. The church that did that parenting course this year that helped 30 parents be equipped more for parenting their toddlers and young children. The church that when you go on Christmas Eve, um, it's fantastic. And you, you know, you get like last year, there was 103 people here on Christmas Eve. You get a sense of wow, something's happening in this church, and exciting things are happening in that church. I just want to find out more, you know, take the next step. You know, the biggest gospel platform we have is the people we spend time with. Like I was speaking about earlier, um, the people that we spend the most time with, if you're in a normal kind of workplace situation, if you invest time in those people at lunchtime or maybe after work, going for a drink, things like that, you have so much influence and impact with the people that God's placed around you. Charlie is just such a good example of this, and I've perhaps spoken about this before. 
and I can say it embarrass him because he's out at seeds this morning. But he's someone who I've noticed over the years in his finance kind of setting has taken it upon himself to create community in the office settings that he's in. The other week, he organised a dumpling lunch on a Friday, and then this week he got a text from work while he was on holidays to say, oh, we had the second dumpling lunch, even though you weren't there. Um, getting people together, um, being generous in you know, hospitality and shouting people and things like this, it goes a long way in how we are perceived to be Christians in our settings that God um, calls us to be in. And we have huge opportunity in all of the different places God sends us and God calls us to be his presence and to attract people to the gospel, to the good news of who Jesus is by the way we live our lives. And so as we look towards Christmas, it's just a month away now, which I can't believe, we can be encouraged and emboldened by this passage from 2 Corinthians to be ambassadors, to be inviters. As we think about Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and the lead-up to Christmas with our different services happening on Sundays, to be inviting friends, family, workmates, saying, OK, would you like to come to my church this Christmas? A little bit of a while ago, I picked up a little um, quote from Alpha Australia, and it said that according to the National Church Life Survey, 28%, more than a quarter, of Australians surveyed said they would accept an invitation to church. Half of these were people who described themselves as religious and non-practising. The reasons given for saying yes included the quality of the relationship with the inviter. And it says, let's never miss an opportunity if you think about inviting people to church this Christmas, if this is correct, and this is a pretty good kind of statistic in Australian church life, one out of four of the invitations you issue is going to be a yes this Christmas. And yet so often we kind of think, oh, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not, I don't know, what if they say, what if I feel, you know, what if it's awkward, you know. This is so emboldening for us, isn't it, to realise that, wow, people may well say yes to our invitation. And Christmas is such a key time, isn't it, to invite people. It's such an easy, easy ask. So let's be emboldened um, to be invited and to invite people into something that we know is so good, is so great, um, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. Something I've noticed over the years is that um, us Christians, we tend to fall into one of two categories. Sometimes we're kind of churchy bubble Christians. Um, we value Christian community very highly. But sometimes we don't leave enough time or space for our um, friendships, family relationships where those people don't yet know Jesus. So that's kind of one little camp. And the other camp is kind of the Lone Ranger or... I don't know, I was trying to think of a better word, but kind of a secular, secular kind of comfortable Christian. And this kind of a Christian is happy going it alone, not really in Christian community, drifts in and out of church, um, and perhaps more like a lone ranger. But as David shared last week in his sermon, we're called to be in the middle. We're called to be in the world, engaged in the world, but also part of the body. We gather together and we need the gathering, which is right now, but then God scatters us into the world as sent people. 
and sent by Jesus. And so we need to get that balance right. And I, I find it helpful every year to kind of think, perhaps once a year, like an audit, how, am I too much in the Christian bubble or am I too much not in Christian community um, and over here perhaps trying to be a lone ranger without the Christian network around me? Perhaps that's helpful for you too over the summer to think through your relationships and where you're at on that trajectory. Just to, thought, just to finish this morning, I want to share a few tips for evangelism or living an attractive life. And these come from a friend of mine, Julianne Laird. She's a, an evangelist at Melbourne University. And I just want to share a few of her tips. She shared this with me and a group of leaders uh, a few years back at a course that I was part of called Arrow. And it, they've really stayed with me in my own life and my own relationships. So just a few tips Things I have learned about evangelism. Christians make good friends. Christians keep coming back. They're not going to gossip, they're going to forgive, and they're going to love unconditionally. Why not ask permission to your friends? Can I tell you about my faith? We listen to our non-Christian friends' stuff. Why shouldn't they listen to our journey? And she said, no one said no to me in all my years of asking, can I tell you something about my faith? Be more honest. Speak the same way you do with your Christian friends as you do with your non-Christian friends. Evangelism creates dilemmas and it pushes your faith heaps. And she shared a dilemma of being invited to a friend's 40th, which was a pole dancing 40th. And the dilemma she had that she worked out in prayer and discernment with Christian community of what to do, whether to go, whether to not go. She did go. But evangelism creates dilemmas and it's messy. Persevere. We have to persevere with relationships. Um, we can't expect a magic fix overnight every time with our relationships. Find ways to interact with people who don't know Jesus. Go to the same coffee shops. Have a hobby that you like doing where you're going to see mainly people who don't know Jesus. And celebrate any conversation. Share every milestone of ordinary stuff that happens in your everyday life, even the small wins, like saying, would you like to come to church with me? Share it with someone on Sunday. Say, guess what? I shared the invitation with someone at my workplace. Someone in your link you could share that with. It just creates a fun and excitement and a sense of celebrating each other um, as we seek to be people who invite others into Jesus and the story of Jesus. So this Christmas and in 2019, church, seek to live an attractive life, a life that attracts other people to the good news of who Jesus is. Be always looking outwards beyond the walls of this chapel ensuring we care for one another, but also we get the balance right and we remember that the inner westness of Melbourne is absolutely right for the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And know that in your everyday life, you are Christ's ambassadors. We, all of us, are called to represent Christ in our everyday lives. Whether or not you think you've got the gift of evangelism, you are called to represent Christ in your workplace, in your marriage, in your friendships. And when you go to the gym, when you play soccer, when you, you know, play basketball, in all the places you go, playgroups, kinders, schools, we are called to represent Christ. And as I conclude, I just want to read our vision, our church vision statement. It says, we believe Jesus is the hope of the world. 
We believe Jesus brings transformation, forgiveness, renewal, healing, and hope. And we want to be a church where people from all walks of life can come and encounter Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is our vision, a vision that we believe you have planted in us. But more importantly, this is our prayer. This is our prayer today. That as we've unpacked this passage from 2 Corinthians 5, that God, you would place within each of us a sense of calling that we are your ambassadors, that we represent you, Jesus, your love, your grace, your sacrifice, your compassion, your mercy, and we represent all of who you are to the watching world, to our friends, to our family, to those you've put around us in our world. And so come, Holy Spirit, come and renew in us a passion for living out that calling, for living an attractive life, a life that so draws people into your love, that is real, a life that is authentic, a life that other people can, can look at and concretely say, wow, there is something distinctive. It's only by your power, Holy Spirit, that we can live this way. So we ask you, come do a work in us again, that we might be more like you, Jesus, and that our community would know, Jesus, that you are Lord because of the witness of this and so many other churches proclaiming the gospel. Thank you. We thank you and we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen.